I think our stories leave us feeling quite self-deprecating. And I think if 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 it takes you a hundred times to hear this, that you're not you're not what your your story is, like you're not what happened to you, um, like you're and that you're worth getting help, or that you're worth reaching out, or that you're worth uh, text even just texting a friend right now to just even make some sort of connection. That you're always you're always worth that, and you always deserve that. In this episode, we're exploring the question, how does trauma impact our relationships? We often say that we're hardwired for community, but trauma has a really unique way of impacting and changing how we show up in community. Today, we're exploring how our past can impact our relationships. And we're also gonna talk about how we can build and sustain healthy, life-giving relationships after experiencing trauma. I'm excited to introduce you to therapist Samantha Bishop. Sam is passionate about building trust and providing an avenue for clients to experience healthy relationships that can translate into their actual lives. So Christopher, what did you uh, take away from this episode? You know, um, for me, listening to Samantha talk about this, I, I think I just realized how complex relationships are. Yeah. And it is, you know, there's this idea that we need to take care of ourselves so that we can be emotionally available to others. And I just think that that's something that we need to consistently remind each other of. Yeah, I really um, took away the importance of the therapeutic relationship in mm. this interview because she talked a lot about how she does that for her clients, but also how that's often the first place that we can practice some of um, the skills that are necessary for having life-giving community you know, kind of dive into or step our toes into trust and risk and vulnerability in a context that is safe with someone who is safe Yeah, and kind of modeling that for us. No, I think that's really important too, because for people who struggle with safety and trusting mm -hmm. relationships, it might be completely unrealistic that they're going to practice that with people in their community, in their environment, in their family. Mm -hmm. So hopefully finding a good therapist will be key. Yeah. Well, stick with us as we explore this topic on this week's episode of Treating Trauma. Welcome to the Treating Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. And I'm your host, Christopher O'Reilly. Join us for a limited series of conversations with trauma experts and world-class clinicians for Milestones, a one-of-a-kind, holistic, and specialized residential trauma treatment experience. Together, we'll explore how unresolved trauma from our past can disrupt and block us from being the person we want to be. Well, Sam, I'm really excited to be back with you. Yeah. So you and Terrence did an episode together. So if people didn't listen to that, I encourage them to go back and, and to catch up because it was uh, just a really beautiful picture of how to heal trauma in community um, and some of the modalities that you specialize in, including psychodrama. And it was just a really cool episode. So I encourage people to go back. Yes. Thank you. It's Thanks fun. for encouraging me. It was also a very fun episode. You and Terrence have a fun dynamic. No, yeah. Um, he's. I really love Terrence, and I can't speak enough about him. And he's one of the best. The best. Love and Terrence, if you're actually listening to this, I said that, and I mean it. You're the best. Mark it down. <laughs> <laughs> so today, continuing our conversation about treating trauma, we are talking about how trauma can impact our relationships. And I feel like that's a... 
little bit of a heavy topic. When you've experienced trauma, there are unique things that happen to you and how you view relationships. So let's just talk about those. What, when someone is experiencing unresolved trauma, how might their relationships with others be impacted? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. <clears throat> and I might not do the answer due diligence, but I will try my best. I'm a, I'm glad to have you, and I also think you can speak a lot to this too, Christopher. Sure. Yes. And from a personal standpoint, I can I can speak to it too. So. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I. I so I think that. When when we experience trauma and the, and then the trauma then becomes stored in our bodies, um, that that just inherently changes changes our changes the way we interact because we're mm-hmm. changing our infrastructure within ourselves. So that's just inherently going to change or can change how we show up, particularly in relationships mm-hmm. and being relational beings. This is sort of like just like what we are going to naturally do and how we're naturally going to be impacted. And that question feels like such a simple question, but then there's such a spectrum of what that looks like. And, you know, like not to, you know, just to name a few, you know, like we can become anywhere from where we're disassociative or like more isolative or more reserved in relationships. And then all the way up to where we're over-functioning and, um, showing up in, in a manifestation of like caretaking, you know, the, and then the gamut of all of that and what that looks like. Um, so I think it just, uh, when we, ex- when we experience trauma, then we inherently are going to show up just a little different. Samantha, could you give us like a fictitious example mm-hmm. of what you said just a minute ago in regards to, you know, how trauma is stored in the body and when that happens, our infrastructure change, so it inherently is going to change the way we operate in relationships. What might that look like? Yeah, great question, Christopher. Love how <laughs> your brain thinks. Uh, let's say, um, I'm just trying to think of a situation sure, here. Sure. Mm, okay, we'll just see where this goes. And if this isn't good, then we can just do another example and maybe sure. it'll be better. Um, let's say like you're bullied in school mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's you're bullied in school um, and you're you're in an environment enough where you might not have the resiliency or the resources where this bullying really becomes internalized. And so say like someone maybe punches you or says that like you're worthless or whatever and that that ha- happens enough over time that you internalize that where you start to believe whatever the bully told you. Then if you've got if you're carrying this baggage of feeling like you're worthless or like you're nothing or that you're like an object or you know whatever it is that you internalize then you're going to carry that with you into relationships. Um, and it could maybe it could even show up something like small, like when you take a test and um, maybe you feel like it's not you're not it's not worth studying because like, what's the point? You're not you're not valuable. Mm. So it could even show up in like microwaves like that or it could show up in intimate relationships on down the road, <clears throat> because what we know is that when we experience trauma from a young age, um, unless it's treated like we take that into adulthood. So imagining what someone someone who feels worthless or not enough, how that might show up in intimacy. Um, and again, that's where some of that spectrum might show up where 
Maybe if you feel worthless, you might overfunction in a relationship to compensate for that. Or maybe if you feel worthless, you want to just avoid altogether um, so that you don't have to deal with what you believe about yourself. So I think it just depends on nurture and nature and how that mm. plays yeah. out. Yeah. I love those examples because, you know, what I heard you say is that, you know, how one relationship, let's say it's like an unhealthy bullying relationship that can really impact how you function in other relationships, mm -hmm. which in some respects sounds simple, but I don't think people are aware. I know there was points where I wasn't aware of how much, you know, relationships, especially ones that were in the past, yeah. are still present today. Like mm -hmm. there's lasting impact in that. I think yeah. we even shame ourselves for being impacted by the relationship. Like, for example, in the bully situation, if I were to say, because of this, I experience and show up in relationships differently, it almost feels like I'm giving that bully power or I'm, I don't want to let them affect me or I'm never going to see let them see me sweat. Like we can carry that mentality and that shame so that even admitting it or looking back at how the relationships that we've experienced negatively are impacting us today feels really unsafe and yeah. really scary and almost like to our identity. Mm -hmm. To admit that I'm impacted, yeah, it's not like from my own personal experience. I, you know, feel that. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, to kind of piggyback off of that, when or if we're in a position to go back and relook at some of that and like relook at some of the trauma, how important it is, how important it can it can be to have someone on that journey with you mm -hmm. to just speak into that. Because you might still carry some of that shame or you might still carry some of that um, internalized belief of yourself. Um, and to have a sa someone safe or something safe to be a, a resourced voice mm. that you can lean on when you're not able to do that for yourself is like it's so important. I was also thinking, um, and I can use an example from my own life, but I had <clears> – <throat> A traumatic experience that didn't really involve other people. Like I had with, the, with my first daughter, I had a really traumatic birth. And then I just went home and started raising an infant and doing my life. And when she was about a year old, I realized like, oh, this is impacting me. Mm -hmm. It's showing up. My reactions I'm having to X, Y, and Z in my relationships is outsized. And I remember weeping to my husband one night because we had just gotten into what I call heated fellowship about something. And at the end of it, I just like said this statement that like when I uttered it, I went, that is not true. I know that. And two, there is something underneath that needs to be addressed. Um, and it was impacting my relationship with my daughter. It was impacting my relationship with my friends. Um, it was impacting my relationship with my husband. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that we can have an experience that doesn't even involve people that can then simply because our systems are dysregulated, it's the trauma stored in our body and it's not been addressed and it's coming out sideways. That's what I always say. Like mm -hmm. the trauma is coming out sideways. So it doesn't even have to be a trauma where I can directly relate it to another person for it to impact my relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Because it that's sort of like how – it's not what we do. It's who we are. Yeah. We are relational. That's good. So it's like it's the being aspect of our existence – that if we're showing up in a way that manifests um, out of like wholeness, mm -hmm. it it will just it's always going to show up and present itself. 
with other people. Yeah. Samantha, um, in your work at when residential trauma, is there some themes that you see in regards to mm. relationship struggles with the clients that come here? Uh, and and I know everyone's situation is unique and different, but are there maybe some common ways that trauma impacts relationships, either with spouses or with children or, you know, my goodness, it could be with anybody. But I'm just kind of curious from your experience, have you noticed any of the, the most common ways that mm-hmm. – um, Trauma complicates relationships, and and I'm talking about relationships with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I think that I think that we, or I can speak for myself. I experience um, a lot of clients who, uh, for whatever, for however it manifested itself, and I'm very aware. I'm using that word a lot. Um, they kind of overfunction in relationships. Okay. So, um, like they might, they might want to bear the burden or responsibility of other people's feelings, mm. um, or take care of people when they're feeling a certain distress. Um, I feel like that, that, that shows up quite a lot in residential. Um, and I think I mentioned it, you know, sort of like in the spectrum, that people can find ways. So maybe they're not literally checking their body out in avoidance, but they might find ways to distract themselves, um, which I think would be more of an avoidance. Um, and then I think people can show up with something I would call it like a medicator, mm. um, a medicator to block you from intimacy. And that can be like addiction mm. um, of various, various uh, types. Um, so I think s- – inserting some sort of behavior to block you from vulnerability essentially and whatever that looks like. And I think it has many faces. Um, And I don't know if there is like, there's like 60% people who are showing up with this or or what it is. Um, And I think it's certainly individualized, individualized to how your, your, your experience was and then how you're coming in. Um, but yeah, I would if I could make it maybe even too simplified. It's like, what's your medicator or what's your block that's mm. keeping you from intimacy? Wow. And trauma, trauma does that. Wow. So it's you can almost say that people that have that need treatment for trauma have some sort of block when it comes to intimacy and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And they need relationship to provide a corrective experience to help them. What a journey that is. Like if your trauma is, I don't know, if you learned through, Mm -hmm. if your life experiences are one that you learn that people aren't safe. Yeah. And yet you have to make this journey to like use people to heal. That's a heck of a journey to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that the the pacing is is what it is, you know. And I I would make up it, it's it can probably take a while to to even to even go through that journey of realizing like what I'm doing solo or what I'm trying mm-hmm. to do isn't working, and I need help. I need mm-hmm. something in addition to myself. I think that that can just be a journey in in and of itself. I like the word you. You use Christopher that trauma complicates relationships. Mm. 
Because I do think you even saying like there's a barrier between there. Like there is something that from the effects of trauma that is going to make something we're made to do even harder. As someone hearing, okay, I feel like relationships aren't safe. I can't trust people. But you're telling me that the way to heal that wound is to trust people. Like (laughs) how do you walk someone through that? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I would say um, be wise about who you want to pursue that with Mm. Um, because trauma can be a little sneaky and and even like lead you down some paths of relationships that are just going to um, re-traumatize you Mm. from what you originally experienced. So can you you say more about that? Like why would we maybe be attracted to types of relationships where we've had hurt before yeah well so there's a an entity or phenomenon mm-hmm. in, in trauma experience that um as part of the way to heal it that our brain or our body you know um uh might attract us to the same similar individuals in order to have a different experience than we did in the first place mm. so you know if uh this is Oh, an example, like if you grew up in an abusive home and you got away from it and you, you're trying your very best to make a better life out of it, um, um, trauma, it's called trauma reenactment, um, trauma bonding even, you might be, um, even on an energy level, attracted to, attracted to the type or quality of the person who originally abused you or hurt you. Mm. So when I say that, I mean like be careful – to go to to find like safe people that's so important you know so when when i think of that obviously i'm a proponent for therapy and yeah. things like that of people who are trained um to walk that road with you and help you have an objective view of that that's yeah it's interesting right have an, have an objective lens to that because maybe you don't have the most objective lens mm-hmm. yeah yeah or, you know, I think even on a slower pace of what's real is, like, just hold space for you while you're doing that for yourself. Mm, that's good. It's not about rushing the process. It's just what you need is what you need um, and someone to be there to just patiently wait for you to get there for yourself. Yeah. While listening to this, I, I just can't help but think about how important it would be, like, if someone's trauma comes from maybe an unhealthy relationship, whether growing up or as an adult, if that person is interested in relationships moving forward, it's probably really important that they have supportive people around them to make sure, I mean, if they know that their ability to pick healthy relationships might be a challenge Mm -hmm. or or that might be something that they're just going to struggle with and just to be careful. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like to think of it like, we're we're ourself like in relationship with ourselves and with others and kind of like our body or or our baggage or the trauma in and of itself has its own relationship and to to not pay attention to it or like how it what it likes what's it, what it's attracted to the thoughts that it breeds you know things like that I think that would be unwise I think it's important to just notice what you got going on in the side mirror mm-hmm. hmm Makes sense. How do we find safe relationships? How do we, what are the markers of safe people? 
Yeah. My favorite definition of this is from Dan Siegel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when we're in, in a relationship and we can experience feeling seen, safe, soothed, and sound, the four S's, those feel like just for me a very like holistic, like whole approach to the qualities of um, nurture. Will you say them again? Um, Seen, soothed, safe, and sound. Good. So, you know, and I guess another way to say it is to be known Hmm. um, and to have space uh, to to know. Those words just feel very safe. Even just hearing them, they feel warm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. They have an emotional feeling to them. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of what I have make up and what I've heard from mental health professionals is that there's a safety that's lost within ourselves and even um, a trust within ourselves when we've experienced trauma, especially in a relationship, that we stop trusting ourselves or have the inability to feel like we do have a quote-unquote good picker. Mm-hmm. I've heard that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that you might meet someone who has those feelings with how would you walk them through that too Mm -hmm. um that's a good question i think that therapy for me is less about like uh, coaching and more about like letting the being of Mm -hmm. being of me and being of you if you were my client to allow that to be the inherent change Mm -hmm. and i think you know some of that comes from it almost feels like it can almost be like a spiritual experience of like it's just sort of unspoken. But I trust that if I bring myself and I hold space for you to bring your fully self, you're going to know the answers that you need to mm-hmm. make the changes that you need in, in relationship or with yourself. That that you already know that. It's just that the trauma blocks it. Mm. So it's not really about me um, giving you any kind of intervention. The relationship and being is – really the only intervention that's needed and what i hear you saying is if you're struggling to trust like a therapist is a really safe space to start to dip your toe in the water of that yeah and you don't have to know how to be Mm -hmm. you don't have to know how to trust to um to start therapy yeah right i was thinking the same thing like a good therapist could really be helpful when it comes to learning how to Trust self and trust others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. yeah. And I also kind of hear you saying um, that it's just like it's a process that we don't have to trust overnight, that it can be small little things where we start to kind of build that up and build that muscle even. Yeah. And remove some of the barriers and blockers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it it takes what it takes um, and – yeah, surrendering to that is helpful. And if you can't, then your therapist can. <laughs> if you can't, then your therapist can't. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Treating Trauma podcast. I want to let you know about another way that the experts at Onsite can support you in your journey. Onsite is known and respected worldwide for providing life-changing group workshops and intensives that are founded on innovative clinical expertise, safe community, and exceptional healing hospitality. 
Guided by the top clinical minds in the field, these offerings extend the length and depth of healing work in ways that are not always afforded in other settings. Unlike traditional therapies, our experiential therapeutic framework is blended with other innovative modalities and grounded in the group experience. Removed from the distractions of everyday life, our intensive and group workshop experiences curate an environment for unprecedented and deeply impactful exploration and breakthrough. Coupled with our world-class dining and hospitality, we're committed to meeting you with the safe environment you need to fully embrace the process and engage wholeheartedly in the healing you deserve. You can now experience the power of an on-site experience on both our California and Nashville campuses. Connect with our admissions team at 1-800-341-7432 or head to onsiteworkshops.com to learn more. Now, back to the interview. So my soapbox is this. Um, I think that the in even in therapy themse- itself, which probably is the propitiation of it, which is creating which is probably creating the change in like the clientele community is like, there's such, there's a such drive for like being technical or having all these modalities under your belt. And at the end of the day, like that is not, Im- that's not important. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing how to do EMDR, if you have a really good therapist, it's not the EMDR, it's not the EMDR that changes you. It was the relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's this entity, and I think David Grand is the um, originator of that, or at least he speaks to it. It's called dual frame attunement. But what dual frame attunement is, is essentially that when I have someone outside witnessing me and attuning to me, and then I am creating a safe space for me to then do it for myself, to witness what's going on inside, that that's how change comes. So I can I can witness myself on the inside. I can notice that I feel sad or I can notice that my stomach hurts or I can notice I have an anxious feeling in my throat. Mm. Those things that are somatically important for treating trauma in yeah. certain modalities. But what dual frame attunement is is that like when I can be witnessed doing that, then my mo- then my movement just naturally happens and I can go deeper with it. Cuz we can only do so much work on our own. I think if someone said that. Yeah. So when you're experiencing PTSD or complex PTSD, you know, it's so important that you have a, a safe witness. Uh, Sam, I appreciate just your feelings around how important the relationship is mm-hmm. when it comes to healing. I mean, I can think about ex- examples of how unhealthy relationships create trauma. So mm. on the other side to that, healthy relationships promote healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is there any type of um, research or like trends around the number of like positive experiences that might be required in relationship to kind of re- rewire mm-hmm. some of our relational patterns that we feel the most natural? Oh, yeah. I don't know if this is the best example for that. Yeah. But the first one that comes to mind is Gottman. John and Julie Gottman. I don't. I was like, I forgot his name, but I remember Julie. Anyway, um, in their work, you know that um, it's a five to one ratio. So for every like hurt or mm. ex- 
or um, any kind of like wounding that happens relationally, feeling checked out, ignoring, missing. It takes five positive or like lean-ins mm. connections to overcome one hardship. So I guess, yeah, if we applied that to any kind of relationship, really like um, we need some concentrated positivity when we're dealing with a lot of hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think if some sometimes it's even hard for people to receive like if they have patterns of unhealthy relationships, they don't even know what to do in a healthy relationship. Yeah, yes, and they could even sabotage it. Or mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not just like oh, you just need to meet a good person. It's that part is not the challenge. But when they do meet a good person, can they? like lean forward into that relationship versus running away. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and to the point of like what the the style of relationship that therapy is, is that if you're in process of figuring, figuring who you are in relationship or noticing some of how you show up dysfunctionally in relationship, you might like squirm a little bit, you know, you might take a couple steps forward or take six steps back and the constant, the constantness of what a safe presence um, that is centered on you can provide gives you that permission to grow. So that's that's very important too when you're even figuring out how to reshift yourself relationally. I think sometimes in relationships we want one thing, we say we want one thing, but our actions communicate another. Mm-hmm. And I would make up that maybe that has to do with patterns that we operated in before. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's um, some like risk, fear of vulnerability, maybe self-sabotage. Like what does that look like and how do we make sense of it when we say, I really want health, but I'm actually attracted to unhealth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, I think it's important to to break down what the secondary gain is around mm. the pursuit of unhealth you know whether it is like our brains just kind of like paving the way of like let's continue to re-traumatize to try to like heal ourselves, or whether you know whatever other factors it might be you Mm -hmm. know so I think it's just important to gain awareness and then from awareness choice can arise Mm, that's good um so I think that's a big part of it too but always I I embodied like a style of breaking it down to get to the core as much as we can because I think that that's where the answers lie. That's where the that's where the original needs lie. Mm-hmm. And if if they're being fulfilled in a pseudo way, um, then breaking it down can sometimes reveal the origin of what was needed in the first place. Mm. That's good. That's great. So I love to just shift as we have a few more minutes just to we'll have an episode all about like how to support someone in our lives who's walking through trauma recovery. But in the middle of someone doing this work um, who's committed to to rewiring the patterns that they really easily fall into or um, I always I always imagine like I'm from the north and so like a sledding trail mm-hmm. like even if you start at a different spot, you, it's so much easier to get sucked into this trail that you've already gone down 10 times. Um, and so to carve out a new path is really hard. Mm-hmm. And so I think about that when it comes to relationships, that forming different types of bonds or attachments and even um, 
walking into different patterns, like it takes work. And so if I'm on the other side of that and I'm watching and I'm, my loved one is doing that or I'm in a relationship with someone who's doing that, how do I come alongside them while also caring for myself? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, when when you're in some sort of partnership, whether it's friendship or intimacy or, you know, whatever it looks like, um, how important it is that uh, that both entities are growing. Mm, that's good. Um, and when when you have uh, when you're in a relationship where the other person is really deep diving into their work, and all of that comes with a deep dive, like the regression or the moving forward, or the temporary neuroplasticity where they might have a little bit of movement, but they go right back to the same thing, and like how that's just the natural part of healing, like that comes with it. Mm-hmm. That can um, bring up a lot of feelings. Um, so having proper support. Because it's not necessarily appropriate to bring all of that to the person that's healing. Some of it is about bringing it back to you. And is this person in in healing actually bringing up your own stuff? Hmm. And that's important to have a good support system. And whether that's like a group or community or therapy or whatever it looks like to just support you in your own frustrations and um, maybe provide a little wisdom. Um, when you're down that road, I I think that's vital. Mm. That's good. I'm just picturing like a couple that's trying to rebuild trust in a relationship. And yeah. if they both understand that it's going to take time and work, I feel like realistic expectations need to be set because yeah. it's totally unrealistic to think that it's going to be easy or quick or yeah. any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or that one person in the relationship is you know the identified client yeah the reality is is that you know whether it was like energy perception or whatever like you guys were attracted to each other for a reason and therefore some of that is like love and goodness and kindness and then some of that trauma says is that we find each other trauma finds trauma so I think it's always important to be doing your work. Um, yeah. But that's a really good point. Like mm-hmm. both people will most likely need to make some adjustments and grow mm-hmm. for things to, you know, get better. Because it's definitely not just the one person's job. That's right. You know. Always. I've seen that a lot with parents. It's almost yeah. like, well, things will be better when my child starts they change their behavior mm-hmm. when really it probably requires movement on both parts. Yeah. 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 I think um, our business development team and some of our admissions team often helps find resources for family members and supportive people while someone might be at milestones or while someone does a workshop and kind of creating a path for everyone in the family to pursue their own healing and incorporating them in the whole process. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I had one more question. So what I, um, some of the things that you've said to like kind of enter into healthy relationships or start to tip our toes into that when we have some fear around it is getting in a a safe therapeutic relationship, that being a really great place to kind of exercise some of these muscles. Um, I heard you mention getting in a group or those kind of things. What are some of the other spaces that we could maybe start to risk being vulnerable and working on this? 
yeah. with other people. Yeah, totally. I think that there are people in the world who are naturally safe people mm-hmm. and they never went to school a day in their life. So finding finding people who um, – finding safe people um, and like kind of like if you're in a dysfunctional community – you know, getting out of that a little bit and yeah. maybe some ex- some exploring. Um, 12-step communities, I mean, there are so many. Like, yeah. there are so many really good ones to choose from that can um, – that could be even be, like, a first step of finding safe people who uh, even have some experience in what you might be seeking help for. Yeah. I think it's one of the misconceptions around 12-step communities – um, that is very outdated is that it's just for people in the addiction space or someone who's struggling with an ad- addiction or an attachment. But what I have learned is that there are so many 12-step programs. There are programs for people who are children of alcoholics. There are, you know, um, children of chaotic homes and things like that, that I think there is a space for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I know of it is it's a really welcoming community. You know, some deep respect to anyone who can like own and have awareness of what mm. their hurt is Yeah, to seek healing and how painful healing I almost said can be, but is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that's someone I want to walk down the road with. So that's a really interesting, like safe space. I, I cut you off. Were there others that you were thinking of? Yeah. You know, um, I think like even kind of like uh, spiritual communities that you can mm-hmm. connect with that can help help you feel not alone or, like, feel like you belong, um, that that's a connective resource, you know. A place where you can feel connected, um, a place where you can – a place where you can feel safe. And someone maybe a little bit wiser than you that if you don't know what that is can speak into that Mm -hmm. and just vet you. That's good. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. I'm really grateful um, for you and this for this conversation. I just think relationships are such a vital part of the healing process. And so it's important to get curious and investigate how we can operate um, better. Yeah. Any encouragement to someone that's out there, you know, maybe considering getting some help, but also just really resonating with this idea that they struggle in relationships? I think our stories leave us feeling quite self-deprecating. Yeah. And I think if if – if it takes you a hundred times to hear this, that you're not you're not what your your story is, like you're not what happened to you, um, like you're and that you're worth getting help, or that you're worth reaching out, or that you're worth uh, text even just texting a friend right now to just even make some sort of connection. Mm. That you're always you're always worth that, and you always deserve that. If you or someone you love is struggling with the negative effects of unaddressed trauma, the safety, community, and expert care of the residential experience at Milestones may offer the individualized help and healing you need. Milestones is a -a one-of-a-kind, holistic, and specialized residential trauma treatment experience, serving individuals adversely affected by symptoms of unaddressed trauma, including anxiety, depression, codependency, and PTSD. This innovative and integrative program offers a variable length of stay from 30 to 90 days, specific to individual needs. When life feels like too much, Milestones offers a refuge and a place of healing. Learn more at milestonesatonsite.com. 
Also, we'd love to help you explore the right option for you. You can connect with our admissions team for a confidential call at 1-800-341-7432 or email them at admissions at onsiteworkshops.com. You deserve this.